0: All right, let's turn our Bibles tonight to 1 Samuel chapter 18 as we get ready to go into prayer here tonight. Here now at the tail end of one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, we see the people's admiration for for David growing. And people were excited because this was one of the greatest victories that they'd ever seen in Israel. I mean, a giant coming flat down on his face, and, and David carrying that victory right into the city. Uh, Saul, who should have been happy, was not at all. In fact, because he was not surrendered to God, he allowed envy and jealousy to rear their ugly heads. And we're going to see here tonight, <clears throat> in this first part of the chapter, of uh, chapter 18, uh, over and over and over again is emphasized, the Lord was with David. The Lord was with David. And David wasn't concerned about getting his rights or getting his rewards. He was concerned about doing what was right in regards to the, the one who was on the throne, God's previously anointed king who still sat on the throne. David was concerned about doing what was right. and As we begin chapter 18 here, we're actually told of the close bond of friendship between David and Jonathan. So as we begin here in verse 1, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. This was a close friendship between David and Jonathan. And Jonathan, he says, loved him as his own soul. He would have died for him. This was how close that friendship was. And Jonathan was, you might think, well, it might lead you to think that they were, you know, the same age, teenager, teenager. And actually, that wasn't the case. Uh, Historically here, uh, Jonathan was at least 17 to 22 years older than David. So he was old enough to be David's father. And that shows us that it wasn't age that drew them together. Their friendship was based on much more than just age. It was based on, uh, Jonathan seen in David a kindred spirit, a man who not only loved God, but served him with his actions. And here now we see Saul's response in verse 2 And Saul took him that day and would not let him go, uh, would let him go no more home to his father's house. And we might say, Wow, I thought David had just earned the freedom to do pretty much anything he wanted to do by winning that battle against Goliath. And David here, we don't find screaming and yelling and kicking for his rights. We find him absolutely not defending his rights at all. David could have responded with the same envy and jealousy that Saul was having. And Saul was exhibiting at that moment as well as other moments in this chapter. But he didn't, and tonight I want us to see that God's way of escape from envy and jealousy is a full surrender to God's will, a full surrender to all of his will. Let's pray here tonight as we dive in. Father, would you speak to our hearts and Holy Spirit, would you illumine your word as only you can. Father, as we look into your word, where would we take it for us? and Lord as you expose things in our life Lord maybe that uh, we've allowed into our life because of not a uh, not full surrender to your will Lord would you help us to change that here tonight in Jesus name amen as we continue in verse 3 again we see an emphasis on the bond between Jonathan and David we see the wonderful friendship number 1 here between David and Jonathan Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. I find it interesting that the Bible chooses to, not only in verse 3 here, but back in verse 1, focuses on this emphasis of this friendship that is happening between David and Jonathan. Jonathan sees him. He sees that kindred spirit. He sees a man who has faith in God. He sees a man who served God. And in our life, God will bring those kinds of friends to us. We need those times of encouragement, not just in the body of, of believers here, but also in, from other bodies of believers throughout, throughout the world here, uh, even using a brother on Sunday morning from Ghana to encourage us in the Lord about prayer. The Lord will do that often. Show us friends that have a kindred passion to see God honored and glorified. And that was the, the kind of friend that Jonathan will be here to David, as we'll see. Verse 4. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And this is how much Jonathan cares about David. Jonathan did not have to do this, but he takes off his princely garments very expensive, all the way down to his fighting equipment of his sword and his, and his belt, and he gives them all to David as a gift. Those would have been very costly in the land of Israel. And, and Jonathan says, no, you can have them. You're, you are very special to me. As we look at verse 5, things seem to be going well. and David is chosen as a military leader and advisor in Saul's army here. Verse 5, and David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So David becomes a military advisor for Saul. He goes in and out, and and he's over these men of war. And this shows us that Saul recognized, while jealousy might have been, stewing in his heart, Saul recognized something was different about David. From the very moment he stepped into the tent and told him the story of the bear and the, and the lion, he knew that there was something special about this man, that, that he had God's hand on his life. And here he, he realizes that David's not just a one-time kill this giant type of guy, but he's a guy who's going to be faithful and he's going to be consistent. Obviously, you're not going to be going out and slaying, you know, an army or anything like that. But I want to ask you tonight, are you characterized by being faithful and being consistent? Your life might be a roller coaster of different events happening, going up and down, up and down. And life will always be like that. But if you're trusting the Lord, your Christian life experience can be faithful and consistent through that roller coaster. So things seemed to be going great until envy and jealousy raised their ugly heads in verse six, six and seven here. Verse two as we, uh, sorry, verse six. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the woman came out of, of all the cities. Of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy and with instruments of music, and the women answered one another as they played and said, "Saul hath slayed his thousands. And if Saul's coming in to to listen to this music that's being played and and he hears that being said, that must have been you know something that put a smile on his face, but it. It faded away very quickly as as the end of that song there was sung and David his ten thousands. Immediately immediately those heads of envy and jealousy struck. And and Saul was no more concerned about uh, praising them praising him for, for the little bit that he did but now there, there's great admiration growing for David here. In leadership, you will find that you'll have people working under you many times. And maybe this is in ministry or in other areas of life. And uh, there's other people under you that do things much better than you do. And you'll find that uh, that, that, that should never cause you to get jealous. The leader doesn't always do things the best. In fact, the leader doesn't. Yeah, he he uh, there's things that that I I can do that somebody else can do better, okay? And and I have to not allow them outshining to make me jealous. And and the only leader that is the best in everything that he does is the Lord Jesus Christ because he truly is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Saul, in verse 8, he looks at his own self image, and Saul couldn't have, he couldn't, he could not have someone else under him outshining him. In verse 8, and Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what and what can he have more? But the kingdom, now he, has my, now he has a greater reputation than I do. What more can he get? The kingdom? And you have to wonder if it didn't come to mind in, in, in just the words of all of this happening and the words of what he said. You have to wonder if, if the words of Samuel were coming to mind now. That there would be a man after God's own heart that would grow in favor and would replace Saul. Saul. The one horrific thing that we find about Saul going forward is he never really repents. He never, ever gets right with God. And because of that, he will walk according to the flesh and not to the spirit of God. Saul was a selfish man. In your life, the way of escape for that is to surrender everything to the Lord. Surrender everything to God. That is God's escape from the powers of envy and jealousy. Saul did not take that way of escape, and here's the result in verse 9. And Saul eyed David from that day forward, that day and forward. Every single day forward from that, he's eyeing David some way to get rid of David or to undermine David to get his reputation back up. And we find that even in our own lives When we're jealous of someone, we have to find some fault maybe in that person to somehow lift our own reputation up. And that's never, never the Lord's uh, plan. So number three here, we see the attempt on David's life. Verse 10, And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God, and let me just remind you there, an evil spirit from God, doesn't mean that the Lord sent the evil spirit. It's in the Hebrew that's referring to the fact that the Lord allowed. Oftentimes in the Hebrew, the the Hebrew transferred to English, it will say that it was from God. Things that were allowed by God are ascribed to that person. So just to clarify that a little bit, that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. And he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hand as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. Now here, as Saul is in his palace, and it says that he's prophesying, he's not being a mouthpiece for God here. That's not what this word prophesy is talking about at all. Rather, it means that he was in a frenzy and he was doing things that he would not normally do. And so David, David's response is, let's do what I did previously. Let's go ahead and play the harp. But before any of that music could take effect and be able to soothe Saul, as at other times, there was a javelin in Saul's hand. Verse 11 And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. There was two times in that short intercourse where where he, uh, he got away from Saul. Now, if you remember back in chapter 17, whoever defeated Goliath got three things. Do you remember what those three things are? What was number one? He was going to be made. Son-in-law. Okay, yes, he would marry the king's daughter. Uh, family wouldn't be taxed. Yep, family would, father's house would be made free in Israel. And he would be honored and wealthy? Yes, he would be, he would be, he would be uh, flooded with riches. He would be made rich. So riches. He would get the king's daughter, and his father's house would be made free in Israel. So keep that in mind. But Saul right now, he's not trying to reward David. He's trying to kill him. And uh, why? Because Saul was afraid of David. Where do we see that in the text? Let's look at verse 12. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And he was and was departed from Saul. And here, lastly, I want us to focus on this for the rest of our time. We see the evidences of a blessed man. A blessed man. The Lord was with David. That had to make Saul pretty nervous. I mean, God's hand was taken off of Saul, and he knew it. He was told by Samuel, and he knew the effects of what, what was going on in his own life from not surrendering to God's will, from not confessing and and forsaking. And God's hand was on David and he knew it. Verse 13, therefore Saul removed him from him, means removing David from his presence and made him a captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. So Saul made him a leader in his army that would regularly go out and come in uh, before the people. And you think about it, David could have just once again walked up and demanded his rights, saying, no way, the king just tried to kill me twice. You think I'm going to go fight for this guy? And that's not what David does at all. No, instead, here in verse 14, it reads, And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord... Was with him. The Bible emphasizes it again that the Lord was with him. God was God's hand was on David's life. Now here, this is probably still another attempt to kill David. Uh, Saul has put him. If you look back at verse thirteen, in a in a company that goes in and com- uh, goes out and comes in regularly and hoping that he'll die on the battlefield. And, and David just trusts the Lord. David knew, I mean, could you imagine going out to a battlefield knowing that you're already going to get the victory? You say, how did, how did he know that he was going to get the victory? He was anointed and told that he was going to be the king. So you can't be king if you're in the ground. Okay? And so you think about it. I don't know what went through David's head. But David knew he already had the victory. He's like, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to fight, and I'm going to come home because I haven't been king yet. And so the Lord, uh, the Lord, I don't know, as, as a Christian, we already have the victory. We already have the victory. And we can fight the spiritual battle with that mindset as well. So the Bible puts more emphasis on God here being with David, And God was with David because David was surrendered to him. It wasn't because David was some special human being or David had some special power. Uh, It was the fact, the simple fact, that David had a heart after God's heart. Psalm 1 tells us about the man that is blessed. And I'm not going to read the entire chapter for you, but let me read at least verses 3 and 4. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whosoever he doeth, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Sounds like David, doesn't it? Verse 4, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. And I think those are good pictures of the contrast between David and Saul. Uh, David as the one, the tree bringing forth his fruit and chaff, uh, and, and Saul like the chaff that's worthless and good for nothing like we heard about last week. In verses 15 and 16 now, Saul's hatred grows and the people's love for, for David grows. And David's prosperity here is shown in the eyes of the people. Wherefore, verse 15, then Saul saw how he behaved himself very wisely And he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. He kept winning victory after victory after victory. And this was working to, it was backfiring on Saul who was trying to kill him. And he just kept getting more and more esteem in the eyes of the people. And then we get to verse 17 and we're going to end here tonight. It almost seems as if Saul has a plan B now. And some time here now has elapsed through all of these battles uh, between the time of fighting Goliath till now. And Saul seems to want to give his daughter in marriage. Verse 17. And Saul said to David, Behold, my elder daughter Merib, her will I give thee to wife. Only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul said, let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. He wanted the Philistines to kill. Him. <clears throat> but notice just the words of, of Saul to David. Only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. Now, it was already a promised fact that, that, uh, that David would be able to marry the, the king's daughter. And now he's saying, you can marry her, but you need to fight some battles to get her you need to go out and fight the philistines first and then you can come back and marry her and and david doesn't say i've already earned this right uh, you're a liar you, you have no right to, to tell me that i need to go out and fight for this he doesn't say that at all and that reminds us that just because we have a right standing up for that right isn't always the the right course of action it's not always what God wants us to do. Sometimes God want, might want us to see our rights misused to accomplish His greater plan. Take, for instance, Paul. Oftentimes he would get beaten, right? And uh, he would also get beaten by Romans, which was illegal because he was a Roman citizen. And he didn't always use he didn't always use his right and and was allowed uh, just allowed them to whip him for the lord and many times he would he would allow uh, there was one one specific time in the epistles where he was whipped and then he told them about him being a roman citizen and that tells us that it's you know sometimes it's okay to 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 stand up for a right it's it's not always wrong but it's not priority our rights are not priority and here, David's priority is not his rights. And next week, as we uh, continue into chapter 18, we're going to find that as well. As we look at even this promise of this daughter that's, that's promised to David as he's going out to fight these battles, Saul's going to turn around on him and marry off his daughter before David even gets back and try to invoke more jealousy and envy in David. And David continues to respond with not being jealous at all. He doesn't react. Why? Because he's already taken God's way of escape. He's already taken God's way of escape and surrendered the entirety of his life to God. So let me ask you that tonight. Have you taken that way of escape? Or do you find in your life oftentimes jealousy or envy of other people popping up? Is that something that characterizes your life? Or maybe it's something totally different that comes up in your life that keeps coming up because of an unsurrendered life in in an area of covetousness or something else maybe that I haven't even dealt with tonight. Ask the Lord to help you take that way of escape, a way of surrender. Father, would you help us tonight or to to, uh, look to you just in, in whatever you're showing us here tonight. Lord, if there's a specific thing that you put on someone's heart, Lord, I pray that they would, Lord, just find time to get alone with you and get that right. And Lord, if, if you haven't shown us anything at all here tonight, Lord, I pray that you would help us to guard against those ugly heads of envy and jealousy. Lord, they destroyed Saul's life, and Lord, I know Satan is just as much alive today as he was then and he wants to destroy our lives. So Lord would you help us here tonight as we give our lives to you. In Jesus name. Amen.